What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Multiverse Monologues, the podcast show where we like to travel across the multiverses and fandoms that we love, talk about the movies and television shows that accompany those universes. And this week on the Marvel Movie Marathon, we are traveling back to the Fox X-Men universe. We're taking a dip, you know, actually, like, out, we've been out of the MCU for almost, I guess, too long, I guess. But it's not that bad of a detour. Last week, we did Amazing Spider-Man 2. It was an excellent discussion, very divided discussion. It's very good, so check that one out. But this week, we're talking about X-Men Days of Future Past. And I am not the only one talking about this. If you're watching on video, as you can see, two gentlemen who helped make this show possible. First off, we have Mr. Ethan Westlove. Ethan, how are you doing? I'm ready. I'm ready to talk about this movie. Last week, I I, I wasn't feeling it. You know, Sp- the Amazing Spider-Man two. That's that's not my jam. But this week, you know, I'm excited to learn. Is the future really set? Let's mm. talk about this movie. Ooh, I'm ready. Okay, all right. We also have joining us, as always, Mister Micah Hett. Micah, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. And I, I do want to add that X-Men: Days of Future Past conclude like at the end of this movie, we will conclude the longest stretch. The last long stretch of more than one movie outside of the MCU mm. for the rest of our watch through. Mm. Really? It we're looks be, like it. We're just gonna be just dipping as a, back in and out. Yeah, it's every other movie or two movies in a row, three movies in a row in the MCU, mm. and movie one movie out of the MCU. Okay. And I didn't want to miss that because then we'd have to go back to the past to uh, reflect on that. <laughs> and, and you know, if if you put your mind to it, you can remember anything. Well, this one's going to be a little challenging because I found myself, and I maybe maybe I'm unique here, but I found myself really scratching my head quite a few times during this movie, continuity-wise, and we're going to talk about some of those moments. But before we do, I ask you to do to do one simple thing, one simple thing, and that is just watch the video. Oh, really? Really? That's That's all you need from them. That's all I need. That's all I need. We appreciate you guys just (laughs) tuning in. We really do appreciate, like, we've had a lot of viewer engagement as of recently, and we like talking to people, we like talking and hearing from you guys about this show, and, you know, it, it just... It makes our day knowing that our conversations are heard by someone else because we love doing it. Right. Oh, it, yeah. It's cool to know that we're not just talking to a void. Yes. There are people out there who kind of enjoy what we do. That's really the cool. Comments are so much fun to read. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's always good stuff. So that that's all I ask. Just watch the video. It's it's good stuff. And if you're listening, of course, listen listen away. I know quite a few of you are listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. So, uh, yeah, we appreciate you, all of you guys. So, but anyway, gentlemen, without further ado, let's open our sling rings and head over to Fox's X-Men universe. So, I wake up in my younger body and then what? Find me. Convince me of all of this. It's going to take the two of us. And where do I find you? A different path. A darker path. Logan, I was a very different man. Lead me. Guide me. Be patient with me. In a dystopian future where mutants are hunted and killed by robots called Sentinels, Wolverine is sent back in time to 1973 to prevent the Sentinels from ever being created. 
he teams up with the younger versions of Professor X and Magneto to stop Mystique from assassinating Dr. Boulevard Trask, the man who created the Sentinels. And it's a pretty, when, when you put it like that, it's a pretty bare bones plot. Mm-hmm. But there is, there's a lot to this movie. Not only is there a lot plot wise, but there's a lot character wise. Mm-hmm. This might be like the biggest movie as far as like characters, actors go. Like you have two not separate franchises, but a movie universe in first class colliding with the X-Men universe mm-hmm. yeah. one, two, and three. And all that gets jumbled in. And so there's a lot to this movie, guys, and I'm really excited to dive into it. But I want to ask Ethan first, what what's your history with this film and what was it like watching it for the first time? I'm trying to remember the first time I saw this because I didn't watch this one in theaters. I didn't. I fell in love with the MCU early on, but the X-Men universe, I really hopped on much later. So I probably watched this for the first time like five, six years ago. So I remember really enjoying this when I watched it. But I don't know. I also remember enjoying First Class when I watched that, too. So coming back to revisit this one, I was uh, ho- hopefully optimistic. I'm like, all right, let's see. And yeah, I don't know if we're giving thoughts yet, but I was really genuinely surprised with how much I enjoyed this movie like genuinely i can't believe how good this movie is go watch it if you're just listening go watch this movie so you can follow along just to i'm surprised i just am if you were feeling i had this thought while i was watching if you were having mcu fatigue or superhero fatigue in general this movie is such a breath of fresh air and even if you don't know a lot because there's a lot that you need to know this movie catches you up very quickly and almost every performance is like fantastic and the plot is really interesting so if you're feeling that superhero fatigue and need something like outside of everything just give this a watch it's really quality stuff i agree i also had a really good time with this movie micah i don't know if you have you seen this movie? oh yeah yeah i've seen all the x-men movies before yeah that's right Uh, all of them except Mm -hmm. for new mutants uh, if that counts, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> really? But I, I, similar to Ethan, I remember thinking that this movie was uh, really good. Same thing with first, first class, and it still stands for me. Uh, not mm. about first class, but uh, for Days of Future Past, I think that this movie, in some ways, redeems first class mm. and mm. makes it worth watching, just because you know where the characters are going to be going in the future. Past. Okay. <laughs> right. For, for those of you confused, like Redeem's first class, isn't first class pretty good? Go rewatch it. Go rewatch first class. Listen to our podcast about it. We didn't we didn't think it was so hot. Yeah, there are definitely a lot more things wrong with first class than this movie. And I think they do an excellent job of uh, combining the two cl- uh, cast classes, <laughs> the two classes of, of uh, uh, actors and creating a really good time traveling story. I think the big thing that really makes this one stand out above the rest is acclaimed director Brian Singer, who directed the first two X-Men movies, which are both relatively well-received. We really had a good time with X-Men uh, United, which I believe is still in our top 10. Uh, let me check. I believe so, yeah. It's um, our ranking, sort, other way. Woo! Uh, X-Men 2 is number 10. Number wow. 10. Okay. Guys, this might kick out. X2. But that's that's my thing. That's why this this movie is great because you have this director returning. He did not do X-Men The Last Stand. He did not do First Class. 
those of the films that we really kind of mark down. Or the Wolverine movies yes. that we venture into. Mm-hmm. I kind of view those as kind of separate, though. Which so, they are, yeah. But this one, he finally comes back. You have that excellent X-Men theme at the start. Like, you're back into it. But you're not in the universe that you you remember. Because but you're all the actors are there but they're in a dystopian like future and i don't know about you guys but i have like a deep fascination for like dystopian like future like the world's a wreck yeah it needs fixing like and and what a cool concept with that too because that puts you in a situation where you don't know what's going to happen with a throwaway future this could be like anyone they could kill anyone in this in this future and it would still be impactful because this is the end of their timeline like this is the characters that we knew and love from the old movies, and now this is the end of their story. From here on out, it is a completely new timeline. This isn't a back to the past rewriting the future. It's branching off into a new timeline. Yeah. Is how I interpreted this time travel. Right, like you don't know what's going to happen. They send Wolverine back in time, and it is just a mystery. Mm. You're not sure. All right, because either way, that future he goes back to will be different. Essentially, when he travels back in time, he's saying goodbye to everyone. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know about you guys, but not that this is the best movie we've seen so far. But I think that setup wise and just concept wise, this is the coolest movie we've watched so far. Well, Am I wrong in that? Let's see what the internet thinks about this. Yeah. So let's do we it. Uh, let me search this up. We got uh, Days of Future Past. So uh, we have our Rotten Tomato score uh, gives it a ninety. Rotten Tomatoes audience, 91. Metacritic, 75. Metacritic user, 8.3 out of 10. IMDb, 7.9 out of 10. Uh, We have a letterbox giving it a 3.6 out of 5, averaging out to an 81%. Guys, this this movie is not that bad, according to the internet. And uh, I think a list that's a bit more important than that is the (laughs) Hollywood Hollywood Reporter Reporter article. Yes. Where do you guys think Hollywood Reporter rated this? Yeah, um, I'm going to go, actually, top 25, that's what I'm going to go. Top 25. Close, close, Ethan. Let's go top 20. 27. 27th place. Okay. Just under the Amazing Spider-Man, just above Iron Man 2. Uh, Okay, yeah. It's above Iron Man 2? Pretty acceptable spot. I mean, I wouldn't (laughs) say it's the best movie ever, but it it certainly is one of the better X-Men movies. Uh, The Hollywood Reporter list. Uh, puts this underneath the first two movies and Logan and the Deadpool movies. So, I mean, I'd say that's, in some ways, could be an acceptable... Some people could see that movie being where it is, but I don't know. I think this is a no-brainer. This is the best X-Men movie that we've watched. By far. Yep, by far. On the marathon, and maybe ever. Because we can get to Logan, Mm -hmm. because Logan's good, but is that a true X-Men film at its heart? Because it is, it's, it focuses on Logan, but this I feel like is just X Men. Yeah, like like the Deadpool movies. I think that Deadpool and Logan are a class of their own, where they're not really X Men. They're just X Men characters, kind of like with Wanda. Wanda's an X Men character, but we're not going to say she's a mutant in the MCU, right? But I think you should include all of the X-Men movies under Fox in one ranking. Definitely. I get they're separate, but that would be like saying, yeah, well, Ant-Man's kind of, Ant-Man's kind of separate. So like Mm. maybe as far as the whole thing, like, yeah, I have a favorite MCU movie out of all of them. I think there's one that 
is better than all the rest. So I feel like Logan could be in that conversation. But as far as you're right, team-ups in the X-Men go, undoubtedly the best one. And I would say one of the best movies that we've seen so far on this Like I said, I was so genuinely surprised by this movie. Just the opening sequence in the dystopian future. I remember that, but like this time, I loved it. It is... Riveted. Riveted. Sitting there, I'm like, holy crap, what's going to happen? The action is insane. Yeah. The, the the sentinels dude that was one of the coolest things ever the 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 portals right opening up from blink yeah yes. what i always remember from you know infinity war is so cool because strange is operating those portals but days of future past it at first with oh, blink yeah. they, they do it so well there's a shot so i watched i watched like probably 50 minutes of the bonus features because i i watched this movie a couple days ago because i was ready i was like yeah let's do this let me get this out of the way and then i i was like i'm, I'm gonna dive into all these bonus features but what was really cool was them talking about selecting what mutants they wanted to put in this movie. And they're like, we'd write a movie in or we'd write a mutant in. And if it didn't work, we couldn't find anything cool for them to do. We'd write them out, throw mm-hmm. a new mutant in there. So that's why you really get some unique, cool dystopian future mutants. But yeah, blink with the, the portals. Oh. There's that one shot where she dies when blink dies and you have the Sentinel uh, running after her. He jumped the sentinel jumps through a portal that she just opened and then she closes it behind him. But then I've but just watch the scene. The spike is still in her, right? Yeah. 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 yeah, That one. That's so good because you look at the portals and you see like the multiple camera shots and the multiple angles from the portals. They totally stole that from or Infinity War totally stole that from this. They did. Yeah. Or it cuts off the hand. (laughs) This uses it in so much more like of a so unique much way mm. to where you can see both things happening at the same time and it like adds so much to it and i so i love the movie we got but i would almost i wouldn't even be mad if we got a whole movie in that future yeah, of we, them trying to save the that whole timeline basically yeah. yeah what an awesome way to introduce the whole narrative is by this short burst of our, the sentinels are attacking Everyone's dying. What is going on here? And then all of a sudden, like the one dude's on the on the bench. Um, Kitty's got the little lights going to his brain. We're like, okay, what's going on here? Is he powering up? Is he getting some sort of? And then they're gone. What happened? It's quiet, silence. And then it's Professor X narrating again. We go off across the world to a completely different spot. They were never there. Yeah. It's because they already knew because he sent his consciousness back. Whoa. It takes the, the, the plot uh, rule of where you have to say this happened, but this happened, yeah. but this happened. It just keeps flipping the script. It's awesome. So I love this intro. I love time travel as a concept and this, I, I have the way that I envision and always like, you haven't gotten your fix in a while. Right, right. I haven't <laughs> got my time travel fix in a while, but I have a way that I like, like time travel at its best and this isn't it but i really like the way that they Mm. use this concept because i I like the idea of being able to we have one timeline and you can change it i think that gives logan per se in this movie a lot of power and it makes the stakes a lot higher than what they would be like oh multiverse hoo-ha you just create a separate branch but this is like you go back. It's like uh, Marty from Back to the Future. Yeah. He goes back. That's a completely different life he has now. You don't know what life that he lived. 
Well, you, you get want- very much Back to the Future vibes at the end of this when Marty goes back oh. to 1985. Logan goes back to whatever year they're in in the the future from the original from the beginning of this movie. He goes back to that exact year, but the future has changed. Mm-hmm. He has no idea what happened since what 1971. Welcome back. 73. Yeah, welcome oh. back. That was cool. That was one of the coolest scenes in the movie. The end, and I, I, How I guess powerful too because yes. he doesn't even know who's still alive. He, we see, okay, Rogue's alive. Uh, all right, that's cool. And then, and then, um, what? Storm, storm, storm. storm's alive. Yeah. Cyclops, Cyclops is alive. Everyone's alive. So w- one of the things that it I was thinking of, yeah, as the as the credits were rolling, was I was like, man, you know what would be epic if we would have seen like an infinity war to this end game. Cause mm. this feels like an end game. This is our last shot. We got to send him back. What would have been nice was to see how the world turned into the way right. it did and lose all those people. Cause we saw Gene, we saw Cyclops go, I guess we saw kind of storm go, but there's a few characters who don't get, we don't know how they died. They just died. And you get this small little band at the end. It would have been nice to see that, you know, like, he kind of mentions it in that plane sequence. Like I've seen a lot of people die. Yeah. Like a lot of like, we need to get this done. You, I feel like you would have felt more (laughs) his mission. If there was a previous one setting this up and the final scene, even though it's really impactful and I love that scene would have felt even better just knowing that like what it was and then how it happened. Cause you're thrown right into it at the beginning of this movie. Like you're right in there and they're like, okay, they've got this mission. But you don't really get to live, like in Endgame, the despair of that universe. Yeah, and I think there's a charm, though, to being thrown into something. We don't need to see every beat to every story. I think this really, like, it shows you from the start, all right, we're getting into things. This is starting. And it it opens with all these characters that we did see in X3. They die right away. And then you see Kitty Pride send... uh, do we know that mutant's name? Bishop. Bishop, I yeah. believe it's his they name. They sent Bishop back. So yeah, Bishop. I like the way and then the way they do that, because it sets the stakes right away. Like these guys can die, but they just barely make it every time. Yeah, yeah, that's mm. true. And and the way that they pan around the shots of that future, like they show a future city. Like, in a way, I would almost have loved like an Age of Ultron style in this like a dystopian world mm-hmm. where Ultron ruled and he had his bots and everything like that and there was a small band of heroes still left kind of like well we got a little bit of that in the what if episode yeah just oh, yes yes yeah. like that that would have been great as like a feature the, the feature film needs to do that at some point no I like i haven't seen the road cut so the, there's an extended cut of this movie that adds another 17 minutes where they in the future the future x-men people they go and get rogue and that helps with the finale of the movie i wonder if I don't know if she dies. I don't know if that would help with uh, what you were saying, Ben, where we want to see more of this death, where we want to see the struggle that they were going through, where people were just dropping left and right like flies. I think there was a lot more shot in the future. Mm. So was. maybe the road, cut do- the road cut does enhance it, but I, I would really, especially after watching this movie... I would definitely I go would back go and right back into it. this movie. Yeah. Oh yeah, like it's so good, and I even think that the juxtaposition of the future timeline and the past timeline that Wolverine's in, I think it works really well. You're never taken out of a moment to go here because both are desperate, and they never like overstay their welcome in one situation or the other. 
the the past timeline is what you really need to focus on but when the sentinels come in the end the sentinels are also coming in the future yes. timeline so there's a nice like juxtaposition there which i, I really like my one note with that two storyline way of doing it where you have future and past there comes the point when so once charles talks to past charles which we'll we'll talk about for sure later yeah. but once that scene happens there's really no point for logan to stay in the past anymore because hmm. he contributes absolutely nothing to the story He's already spun the events that or he's contributed up to the story till that point. But then after that, it's Charles carrying the team and he's really becomes the main character of this movie where Logan just is kind of there and then he gets thrown in some water and he kind of just sinks for the rest of the movie to where they keep flashing back to Kitty Pride at the table. Mm. But that doesn't matter because Logan went back. He did what he needed to do. And then whatever Charles does from there will happen. Right. So that, that was my really only thing to note. I understand doing that though, because it does build the, it makes the stakes higher. gives us something to cut True. back to, but he doesn't really need to be there after Charles, Charles's arc comes to full. Huh? I didn't think about that. That's true. Is that a problem? I, it's a little problem, but it, I don't care. Like, okay. Cause so, the, the character's, in the future still think that it is hugely important to them. That's their everything keeping kitty at that table. Yeah. So that, that, mm. that's still all they're fighting for, which is kind of sad when you think about it, because those versions of those characters, regardless, they're dead anyway. Hmm. But due to that logic, are they though? Because I don't and that, and that's the thing. That's the thing. <laughs> that's where you get tricky. We might have a lot of this where we just kind of discuss what it means because we see it at the very beginning. We talked about it that when they do the the mind melding stuff, they go back. Their consciousness stays with them in the future. Mm -hmm. But when this all happens, no one seems all any the wiser except for Charles when he reads Logan's mind. Right. Logan's the only one who remember. And I think I think that's beautiful. I remind first time because I hadn't seen Lost before this. But if you've seen Lost, scenes like that happen at the end of that to where only like a certain character knows a thing about their whole past and they're interacting with characters and and you as the viewer sit there in that moment and you're like oh my gosh all this crap just happened to them and he's the only one who knows it like it, it, it's it's a really nice way of doing time travel and that whole dialogue yeah but back to the time travel on how it works yeah, we don't know. Guys, I get because technically that version of themselves, they do die, but then logically in the movie they never existed. Right. But they still did exist because they sent Logan back. It's kind of like until they create <laughs> a distinct branch in the timeline, a distinct variant, then it solidifies the timeline. All right, this is where it's going. Kind of like what he was saying with the rivers. You can make a small ripple, but the river mm. will correct itself. But if you make a large enough change, then it will create that new path. So, and I think that's what they were kind of hinting at. Yeah. So so here's the thing that I always think about when it comes to time travel, especially and this kind of plot holes, especially with superhero movies. It's always like if I if I am able to feel emotion and I'm invest in the story and I'm not able to, you know, like really think about the plot holes unless I'm reading it online from some mad person <laughs> the movie works right 
right. it works. It has to work when you're sitting there to watch it. There are so many videos out there. Endgame time travel doesn't work for me. But when I sat in that theater the first time, it worked for me. Oh, yeah. It absolutely worked for me. When Rhodey and Nebula go back and Quill is dancing. Come on. I, that I, was that, so good. That, yeah. was when, that was when I saw it. And I'm like, wow, this is, this is going to be amazing. This is something else. <laughs> but, but like this movie, this movie is something else. This yes. movie really was... It didn't feel that way at the time when I heard about it and I saw the posters and I saw this coming out. It didn't feel like the Spider-Man No Way Home. But watching it, it very much does feel like that way. And listening to the cast talk about it. Because they did do a full reboot. They did go back. They went to first class. They established a new cast. And then this new cast then gets to mesh with with Hugh Jackman. Some of the old cast. And uh, it was... Here, I have a note here. Nicholas Holt, he was, he had an interview after the movie and he was just in awe because he was one of the guys who got to go into Cerebro with Hugh Jackman. And he says he remembers when he was a kid, he was eight years old watching X-Men for the first time. And now he's in an X-Men movie and he, he was in first class, but he said he didn't feel like he was in in an X-Men movie till he was standing in Cerebro with Hugh Jackman. I just think that is so cool. Because it really does. When I was watching this, we like we have a lot of things we like from all these X-Men movies. But this one took every element from every X-Men movie that I've enjoyed. Yeah. Threw it into one movie and worked. Worked really well. Mm. Well, especially because like you have the two timelines. And they... they what am I trying to say here? It's like the best version of even the characters especially and only the interesting characters they took because like you can have a bunch of mutants right in the story but like the ones that are just cool for powers they just use them for powers and the ones you really care about are the ones that are direct center in the story because you know older magneto older um charles Charles, xavier they're they don't have much to do in the movie Except for, you know, be there, which is huge. The standout performances, I would say, go to the younger versions oh, of those oh, characters. Oh, but you know what? I did really like that last scene between Charles and... Oh, absolutely. And, oh, yeah. Oh, when, when they're like, all those years we spent against each other. Oh, yeah. What I would have... What I would give to just get a couple of those precious moments back. And that really is the end of this timeline. This, this is their end game. Yeah, the this is the versions. end of the original... X-Men series ends in this movie. Because we never see those characters again other than we see them in Logan. Right? We have Apocalypse still. I know, but, but that's the, younger, Those right? are the younger cast. Only younger, I'm pretty right. sure. I don't remember. I'll have to watch it again. I don't I'm, think the I'm old cast certain. I don't think the old cast comes back. Except for but we'll, in Logan. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get there when we get there. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Like the best version the of everything cast. appears in this movie. What like, surprised me was when I saw Bobby Drake Iceman in the dystopian future, I thought to myself, this, this guy's cool. And I never once thought that in the original trilogy. <laughs> I, yes, he Bobby Drake was very much like just rogues love interest. And I feel like that's kind of like a lot of this because they, they, I don't know, like they've grown so much since the X-Men trilogy. Like none of these characters felt cringe to me. I that's a great way to put and it. And we had yeah. so yes. many 
cringe characters in the past. In first class. In yeah. first class. In X Men One. In uh, probably in X Three as well. I, Juggernaut. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> there was no moment in this movie where I was like, eh, "That doesn't really work for me." This this movie was great. What are the negatives? That's, yeah, that's what I'm sitting there thinking. That my my only <laughs> negative was that the two storylines and no. how Logan doesn't really contribute anything after a certain point. Other than that, it's just a really solid movie, and we haven't even we've just been talking about the we haven't dy- talked about the past. We've been talking about the dystopian future this whole time, which is great. And let's talk about the Sentinels now that we're here. These are huge villains for the X-Men characters. Epic designs. And yeah, they, they have the more classic comic book look in the, the 70s, yeah. but then they have a future look that both are really good. They built a practical Sentinel for the 70s. One. I saw that. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. yeah. At least oh, one. God. I don't know how many they built, but they built a practical one just so they can have it on set. And um, I, I think what's super cool about those is they're... The power. How so? Peter Dinklage's character, uh, Doctor Boulevard Trask, uh, his whole thing is that he wants to build these, uh, kind of like an Avengers initiative against the X Men. He wants to build these huge uh, helicarrier type defenses, like what uh, what mm. Shield did. Mm-hmm. But instead, they're Sentinels, and they have these abilities against, so that they can't be. They're not magnetic. So they can't be controlled by Magneto. Eventually, once Mystique gets into the picture, they diag- they uh, uh, take apart her DNA and they say, okay, what can we use from this? And now these, these Sentinels can adapt to the X-Men powers and they can use these different mutants' abilities. So we see it have fire, we see it turn into crystal, we see it use the ice, we see it uh, have Wolverine's claws. All these cool things that make these Sentinels infinitely... Uh, scary. <laughs> I would not want to live in no. a dystopian future with these Sentinels because we see at the beginning of the movie whoa, <laughs> we, we almost knocked over the entire setup. Uh, we see at the beginning of the movie that the Sentinels go crazy. They don't just take the, the mutants. They go after the humans too. And one thing about Trask real quick is, is I like how uh, he was casted as a uh, small person because he's hunting mutants uh Small people is a, a mutant trait. So it's like he's hiding from himself. I love how, himself. yeah, when you first see him, you're like, oh, yeah, he's a smaller person. But you just forget about it just because his performance is so good and you yeah. just buy into his character. But something else Ryan I wanted Singer to cast him. Yeah, he casted him so well. Yeah. Something else I want to note before we uh, start talking about the past is just in the future, the opening of this film. Where you have the mutants with the M crossed on their oh, face, yeah. and they're walking very ho- Holocaust esque, mm. and I thought it was a really cool way to full picture it because how does the first X Men movie start? Right, it starts with the Holocaust. The Holocaust. So it's like humanity. It's like poetry. It rhymes. So I really like doing that, and kind of we'll, we'll get into it when we talk about uh, Professor X later. But he's like, is the future truly set? And that beautiful scene between him and Charles. Charles and Charles. Go watch that scene oh, online. It's a great scene. It's a great scene. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, back to Trask. Uh, you were saying that it reminds you of, of the Holocaust. And Brian Singer actually based Trask on Hitler, saying that as Hitler used the Jews as a scapegoat to bond the darker parts of Europe, Trask mm. is doing the same thing with the mutants. Mm. But he wasn't a six-foot perfect Blondarian. He was a short, funny-looking fellow. Quote, <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. I want to talk about Logan for a yeah. second. 
Because this is his seventh. We can time. talk about him for more than a second. Well, definitely more <laughs> than a second. Because he's he's. I mean, he's basically the reason the movie happens. But he kind of takes a different role in this movie. Yeah, like he's, he's more mature. More, he's more mature, and he has a lot more to do than just. Like he has to go back in time and convince both Magneto and Charles Xavier to work together. So there are genuine moments that like we haven't seen before that Hugh Jackman portrays like genuine emotion, genuine. Hey, Charles, you helped me in the past. Now it's my turn to help you. And I really like that. It shows Hugh Jackman's range. And we get a lot of Hugh Jackman in this man, almost too much. Yeah. In this movie. <laughs> but like, his but, <laughs> we do get a Hugh Jackman butt. Indeed. Oh, he, he actually said that he wanted <laughs> to do that himself. He preferred, because they had him in underwear in that scene, but he said, well, when an Aussie wakes up with a beautiful woman in his bed, he's not wearing anything like, like at all. So <laughs> that he totally just, that was him. Okay, let me pause you real quick. I just, this is a side note, but uh, butt count, Hugh Jackman. Guys, this uh, what is are like we a, at? This is our th- third or at fourth. Least two. Yeah, uh, X Men Origins, and now this one. Okay, <laughs> there aren't many nude characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and extended. We have Hugh Jackman, I think, three times now. <laughs> and is the world better for it? Absolutely. Well, one thing, real quick, before we <laughs> fully go into the past, guys. Um, according to some math that people did, this future takes place in 2023. Guys, Ooh. we're here. Oh crap. It we is, are here. It's quite dark outside. Watch out for those sentinels. Is it getting dark outside? You know what? What's that thing floating out there? You know what I always think of when I think of the sentinels? Did either of you play Lego Marvel superheroes? The massive sentinel. Is there a mutant around? Is there any mutant? Like that's that's what I think of when I think of sentinels. So I, it's almost hard. I mean, you could take the ones in this movie seriously, but that that's always what my brain goes to. That's the first sentinel that I ever encountered, and it was scarring the first time as a kid. But scarring an M in your forehead, or no, not. That bad. Okay. <laughs> now let's let's dive into the past because, as I said before, and I wanted to expand upon it. Charles Xavier and um, Magneto, those two, Michael Fassbender and James McAvoy, fantastic. Mm. There's a scene. I'm sure we all know what I'm talking about on the plane that they both trade. If you want to fight, I'll fight. And he starts saying, like he's like, you abandoned me. And like Eric isn't even listening to him at all. He just starts naming names like Azazel and this person and this person and this person all died, all experimented on. Where were you, Charles? Like the emotion that they give in that scene, it might be the best scene in the movie. There are so many scenes we can do for favorite scene, but that scene in particular, like just elevated it so much for me, even more higher than they were in the plane, like elevation wise. Oh my. It took me to another level. Even vertically, they were uh, pretty <laughs> elevated. But it, it just it took the movie from being good at that point, and then I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is a this is a genuinely great film." Yeah, I agree with you. I was not expecting to simmer and enjoy this as much as I did because, yeah, first class well, it was kind of not good. <laughs> so oh. this this one, those characters coming back and mixing with. The characters from X3. Oh, we'll see. We'll see how well this turns out. I really liked our introduction to Charles, mm. past Charles mm-hmm. in this movie. Uh, so we see he's uh, he's got long hair. He's walking. He doesn't have his mind control anymore or his mind abilities. 
because he's using the serum that Beast gave him that um, resists his powers, that gives him his legs back. It stops the voices from coming. And it, it amplifies the worst qualities of him from first class. Right. Because that was the direction he was going. And it's cool. I remember at the beginning of this podcast, I said that first class is kind of redeemed through this movie because it shows that Charles has a redemption arc. Mm. It's just not in that movie. It's in this movie. There's a little bit in first class, but it's more in this movie. Yeah, yeah, we're better able to understand how he got to the point and how he gets out of that point. Mm -hmm. And it gives me more respect for Charles as a character, even though that it's not the same Charles that we see at the end of this movie. We still know, okay, he had this rough patch and he recovered from it, becoming the Charles that we knew from the original movies. Now we have an even better Charles at the end of this movie, a more happy Charles. And that's great to me. I love seeing how this drug-addicted... man who cannot handle loss who doesn't want to face the facts that these things are happening around him and he just wants to stay in his own little bubble mm. that's awesome to me that we get to see his growth so we you want to add to that yeah i love yeah. i love how the movie makes you confused when you first get to uh school for gifted the school and you see nicholas holt's beast and he's not in beast form so you're instantly confused and why that is. And then Charles is walking around and it makes you question what the heck was even what it was first class even about. But then they do do the ex- exhibition where they dive into the serum and mm. how Charles is essentially a heroin addict. Oh, wait, yeah, he was shot. How does that change his legs? <laughs> he was shot in the back. Yeah, how is he class. physically paralyzed? I think they explained it the, a little bit. Serum, it was kind of a throwaway. The serum helps with that. That's, yeah. that's how he's able to walk. I don't think it's that he can't walk. I think it's that it physically hurts him too much to okay. walk. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So, speaking of walking, we have a character who does more than walking and I think is one of the highlights of this movie. <laughs> oh, okay. Ralph, yes. Bo- I mean, um, Quicksilver. Uh, <laughs> Peter, oh, what's his name? Yeah, Peter Slot. Maximoff. Peter Maximoff. Yeah, yeah that's his last Pietro name. Pietro Maximoff, I, I think is, is, is in... Uh, in this one, it's Peter. In this one, it's Peter. Yeah. It is Peter. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Peter isn't Maximoff. That, isn't it actually Pietro, though? Pietro is in Ultron. Comics-wise, oh, yeah, right, right, right. yeah, yeah, it's Pietro. Sure. The bad Maybe. version of Quicksilver. Sure. Oh, no, yeah. Up. Like, I knew right going into this. That's another scene up for grabs for best scene in the movie, man. I you If you haven't seen it, do yourself a favor. Watch the movie first. And then go watch it. But we all know the scene we're talking about in the bottom of the Pentagon. His slowed down. If I could save time. <laughs> they shot bottom. that thing in like 13,000 FPS to and slowed it down. Oh. I don't know how they did that. Ethan, you saw the behind the scenes. How'd they do that? Right. Uh, just they shot the scene and then they, uh, they had some of the pots flying uh, physically. And then they had, I think all the water is digitally added. Okay. And then a lot of the food objects and knives are digitally added. But then they just kind of did their shot. They got what they wanted. And then they had Quicksilver running on a green screen treadmill. Oh. And they edited him. They kind of chopped the footage together. Interesting how the movie before this that came out in the post credit scene had Quicksilver in it. What do we feel about that? Mm. What was what was Fox trying to do here? Was it intentional? Were they like, all right, let's get? Well, they wouldn't have had time to throw this together at the same time. We're talking about. Uh, I'm confused. Winter Soldier. No, it was 
Oh, which, Winter Soldier. Sorry. Did Winter Soldier have it or yeah, was it? Winter, Winter Soldier Because it wasn't The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Sorry, I, I meant I meant Winter Soldier. Oh, I thought you were talking Post-credit about... Post-credit scene, we, had, we saw Wanda and Pietro. They wanted to get it in before Age of Ultron. And uh, they were like, it, it for sure made makes people plenty sour when we go watch Age of Ultron and we see that Quicksilver. Well, especially because he dies from bullets. <laughs> the very thing he literally just... Boop, boop, boop. It's so Not simple for this guy. Well, it's like, what are you doing, man? Like... And maybe it's the it's he's not a mutant in the MCU. He's like experimented on by Striker. Gets his powers from what is it? The Tesseract gives yeah. him the powers. So yeah. maybe that's why he's slow. That's why he sucks. But he so, sucks. He does compare, no, especially compared to this this enough. version. Logan knows him. Like, dude, but that yeah, that stuff is beautiful. Not only is that sequence great, but I think the whole. I love how because we don't get this in a lot of movies where they go venture out. And they find a character, they use him for what they need him for, and then he's just not in the rest of the movie. He's just done, which I am a little upset about. We'll we'll see him again more in the future movies, or I guess past movies if we want to be technical with it. But Evan Peters is fantastic in yeah, this he role. Is. He's just a a thief. He doesn't care. His, his mom's like, oh my goodness. He's so quick he's on the his cops. lines. I know. He's wow. So he's yeah. what? Like, quick, quick on his he's lines. Quick. <laughs> he's quicksilver on his lines. He's, and he's like talking to Magneto. They're sitting there. He's like, what'd you do to get locked up in here, man? What'd you do? What'd you do? <laughs> he like keeps jabbing at him. I also, killed the president of the United States. Oh. <laughs> kind of makes sense. <laughs> Dude, little uh, Easter egg reference there. My mom knew a guy who could bend metal. Reference to the fact that in the comics, Quicksilver is Magneto's son. Something else that I noticed later, we see Quicksilver watching TV, and on his lap is a little girl with red hair. Oh, who could that be? Who could that be? Oh yeah, yeah. So in the comics, they're twins, but maybe it's just a wink and a nod. They're like, "Hey, here's here's Wanda for mm-hmm. you." I don't think they were ever going to go down that route, no. anyways. But it's I think, nice. I think they just wanted to beat Marvel to it. They wanted to say, okay, what are our coolest properties? Quicksilver. Let's get him in there in real quick. One, we got some ideas. I love how genuinely like scary his power seems. Because he's just already checked their car's registration. He knows what they're about when they get up to the door when they're talking to him. Like, that's why he's so chill when they're in there. And he's uh, the part where Logan's like, you're not afraid to show your powers. He's like, who's going to believe you? Who's going to believe mm-hmm. you? Because it is. It's absurd with how fast he is. Yeah. But like, I'd be scared to have that guy on my team. This kind of sets the standard for what Flash could be going forward. I think that that inspired the... Um, I forgot who plays him. In the, Ezra Miller. Ezra Miller. <laughs> how they adapted Goat. Flash for these new movies. They couldn't just do, okay, this guy goes really fast. Because it's already been done. It had already... They had to... Amplify it. Somehow. I guess personality-wise, they're very similar. They are very also. similar. Yeah, but the Barry Allen in the TV show is very different from this Flash. Yeah, he's always trying to get faster. Mm-hmm. He's not. He's never fast enough. And well, also the he's CGI, fast? like <laughs> CGI is just oh, man. Bad. Those later seasons are rough. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike this movie, where the CGI actually was nominated for an Oscar, mm. top notch. This movie has. Fantastic visuals. Yeah. Like, I'm even as Nothing we talk stuck here, out like, for being bad. As we go on and say what we love about this movie, I'm still trying to figure out what I don't like about this movie. 
And I'm like, <laughs> am I like, what, what is there to criticize about this movie? Like I asked this before, I still don't, like, I don't have, I mean, I had that one thing I said, maybe we, this could have used a better buildup, but I don't care. That's not a dig on the movie. It's just, I would have felt more if there was more before it. Yeah. So it's not a dig on this particular movie, you know, like. You can say that Mystique doesn't have enough motives. She should listen to her friends, uh, but that's just a character flaw, not a written flaw. So that that's my question. That was I actually wrote this down so I wouldn't forget it. We've been through five main like X-Men team-up movies, and in each of those movies, there's a struggle between Charles and Eric. Mm-hmm. Who is right? And in this movie... And I pose this question to you guys. Who is the right one? Because in points during this movie, I often find myself with Eric on this. Is it past Eric? Or past Eric. F- okay, past Eric. Yeah. Well, I think the ending of the movie tells you who's right. Charles tells Eric and Mystique not to kill Trask. Then he doesn't. And then we see Logan in the future. And it's sunshine and rainbows. Yeah, once again, I think that it's another... Um, Great heart, bad execution. Like, great motive. Like, Charles... Mm. I mean, um, uh, Magneto wants to have these rights for the mutants, but he just doesn't do it in the right way. It puts a bad image on the mutants. He wants to be more um, dictatorship over. Right. Like He he wants to be the next people. He wants to replace them instead of living alongside them. Uh, Charles wants to live alongside, wants to train, wants to show these gifted students that they're more than just the next um, replacement, but really just the next step. And in, like in real life, obviously, you want to go for saving lives. You never want to go and kill people. And Eric's mm. fine with that. We so don't trade lives. We, exactly. We, nice reference to Infinity War. Um, but like he is exactly just absolutely gung-ho on hope and people deserve a second chance. And, absolutely, like, and I get that. That's fine. But if I feel like if it, we were in a world today where that started to exist mm-hmm. and those people were out there, mutants, mutants yeah. were out there, like our government would crack down on that. Would there ever be a, a stop put and coexist? Like, would there ever would could that ever be achieved? I think that if the government were if this were real, the government would put laws in place to. Uh, but how could you put not laws? control it? But kind of bring awareness to it say all right this stuff is out there just mm-hmm. like how there's people with mental disabilities out there that can explode at any moment like be aware of these things be ready to adapt to those situations and know where to direct these mutants yeah and the same argument can be said when uh civil war when they do the sokovia accords do these superheroes need to be monitored yeah. and tied down and that's what that's what's at the heart of all these movies that's what makes these movies so interesting mm-hmm. because they make us fall in love with these mutants but then they make kind of regular people the bad guy where they just kind of want to control this and th- there is like just like regular people you can have good people you can have bad people who make good decisions and bad decisions so that that's what makes this so compelling because these mutants are have huge powers how how would you go about controlling that? That's what's at the heart of these films. That's what's at the heart of this one. That's why it's so compelling because we're sitting here. We're not sure what we do. It was the most I felt it during this movie, that conflict between who's right, the government or the mutants. Because like 
I don't know, if I knew there was people around there that could really cause damage, and probably would cause damage, the bad ones, what do you got to do here? Mm-hmm. Like, you got to lock them up. You got to, and do you put a ban on everyone? Like, it's really interesting. Like, and I really found myself dealing with that in a way that the other movies, like, never really had. Like, this movie really made me think about it. I don't know. I, I Eric, I, I sided with Eric a few too many times during so, that. What do we think about Eric thinking that, or uh, I guess the plot of this movie revealing that JFK was maybe a mutant? <laughs> How do we feel about retconning real life history and throwing throwing that little Well, was it retconning? Maybe he was a mutant. Maybe he was a mutant. <laughs> we don't know. I will he say this. He's a pretty legendary dude. I'm always cool with movies like retconning history. If you've ever seen Transformers Dark of the Moon, yeah, that's a big why one. Not? <laughs> like, well, yeah, because like we still don't know for sure the JFK deal. It's really weird that the, the bullet FBI. went through the. I mean, <laughs> probably, but it's really weird that the bullet went through the seat but entered his body at the completely different. Like that's so strange. Now, I'm not going to get into that. I don't know <laughs> nearly enough about it, but I like that. It's like okay. There's your explanation right yeah. there. It was a mutant. Right. It's fictional, of course. It's a fictional movie. But I like that little tie into yeah, history. When you, when you get to create a world, might as well play with that world that yeah. you've created. I agree. But let's talk about the past a little more because we, we talked a lot about the future and those characters. But the past, what stands out about the past other than Magneto and Eric? Well, Logan's performance does, but that's kind of a mix between the two, I would say. And I like, I mean, Mystique is kind of causing a lot of problems. And I think Jennifer Lawrence is great as this character. She's a lot more agile. Better than uh, she was in first class. Definitely agreed. Because she's Mm -hmm. doing she's doing a lot more. She's on the run. But I mean I don't think it was her best action though. I think that there were some better things in the original trilogy that um some better emotional beats. Uh especially when she's uh, what when was was that in first class? Where she's captured and then um Eric leaves her because she loses her powers, or is that X three? I think that's X three. Then that was X three. Okay, I like that. That uh, no, not because she. Okay, no, 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 no. I, 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 read I thought one. you were giggling because because she's too. naked at that part. I know, no, no, no. I, I was, read one I, of my notes that got me. Oh, okay, laughing. I like how it showed that Eric would drop her as soon as she lost her powers. That's all that mattered to her, him. Yeah, and that was just a cool. We also get a little tease that maybe there was more to that relationship yeah. than meets the eye, which I'm glad they didn't really delve into it. You didn't need it at all. Um, yeah, I, I, I have a note about Mystique. It's when she's trying to seduce that uh, that soldier. Oh, yeah, guy. the Vietnamese guy. The Vietnamese guy. And I wrote, I wrote, men are so predictable because she's just standing there. And she's being all, all pretty. He buys her a drink and then they go back to the room and he goes. Uh, he goes, show me more, baby. Take off your clothes. It just, it just says, the quote is, close off. <laughs> he doesn't even ask you. Close off. It's that easy for men? Yep, it's that easy. Dang. <laughs> I, I, we've said this in the past movies, but just Mystique as a character and as a plot device is so cool. Just how she uh, gets into Trask's office. By just being him. We saw that. Did we see that in first class too? Yeah, as one of the government She like infiltrates officials. a maid or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I, She's it, done it a couple times. Right, it's just it's such, such a cool thing. piece. Yeah. So, like, 
At the end, you see Wolverine lifted out, and you see Trask, not Trask, uh, Striker, ending up with the Mystique eyes. Mm-hmm. What? What is what? Like, where did Striker go? Like, what happened there? Like, yeah. how in the heck does that work? You're telling me that Striker was Mystique the whole time? No, not the whole time. No, because Just... in the original timeline, she was captured at that point. Oh, but now you're saying now that with the future mm-hmm. not being set technically. Yeah. Now he, it is. Now well, she's just on the loose. It doesn't have to be Striker for the rest of time because she likes to switch people. But where is Striker at that point? That's the like thing. how does he but get, I think he might just not be on that boat. I think what how I interpreted that scene is that means this that Logan never became Weapon X. He never was taken by Striker. I think he does, But he gets though. his claws. By Logan, because Logan is that's in this why timeline. I'm confused at what Logan is and where I have that an falls. explanation, gentlemen. Go ahead, an explanation. And I, <laughs> <laughs> a, uh, in X Men Apocalypse, actually, you have a Wolverine Spoilers. cameo, oh. so that explains it in there. He, you bail explain it in there. I, yeah, I'm gonna wait. Okay, I'm not gonna give it away because I just remember that that's the one scene I remember from no, the. I remember two scenes, the other Quicksilver scene, but that's a one right. scene I remember being in that movie, and I was like, "Oh, interesting." So, but I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it. So, right. never, never mind. Um, anything else we want to mention? I think last chance for, for I, I, last chance for negatives. We covered pretty much everything. Yeah, it's a great movie. I really we covered really the enjoyed Vietnam this movie. stuff. I think the Vietnam stuff was probably the weakest. There's not too much going on there anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just kind of slow. I thought it's uh, just Mystique. I thought Kitty Pryde was a really good character mm. for the little bit we saw of her. I, I liked her a lot. Yeah. Ellen Page? Ellen Page, yeah. Elliot. Yeah, right, right. I forgot about that. like smelly it. I forgot. I forgot about that. Yeah, that's right. No, she was good. All all of the cast. I I love seeing those old cast members again. That was really good stuff. We have the uh, star of Renfield in this. <laughs> That's true. Nicholas Holt. I, I really do love how those crap characters from first class, they just don't even care. They have that one guy at the base, mm. in the military base. I forget froggy his name. dude? No, not the frog. Oh, he has like there. sonic <laughs> I do, powers. I do have a note about that frog guy. <laughs> the, the new... Toad? Toad, yeah. Toad. <laughs> the, when there's that uh, report where I forget who's saying, I think it's uh, uh, Mystique. She's saying, no more hiding. Mm. Uh, and it's a big news broadcast. But right, it says no more hiding. It shows Toad. He's working in a kitchen. He's just grilling. Um, <laughs> no way were you ever hiding. He's a frog, that, he's a frog dude. He's like this. Like- <laughs> You never, no one ever thought you were normal, Toad. You're telling me. Well, what? he looks pretty normal for a fry cook. Yeah, imagine the the, uh, the the interview for that Sorry, position. Jonathan. All right, just stretch your left as far no, out as you can go. Those other first class characters that just aren't mm-hmm. here. Well, and the Sonic guy, Who who's the guy you see? I don't remember. The blonde dude. I forget his um, name. Psylocke. I be- no, 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 not Psylocke. It's, it's, it's. Stop Banshee. Banshee's the other annoying one. I don't know what you're talking about. The bl- go to the first for <laughs> go to no, first no, no, class. No. It's it's gonna be quick. He's gonna be no, like you're right, you're first right, listed. Right. Havoc. 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 Yeah, it was Havoc. Oh, that's his name. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just picked one. <laughs> I had a five star of him in Contest of Champions. 
Um, yeah, Alex the, Summers. Yes, that's what it is. Okay. All right, also in the sense. Hannah Montana movie. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, okay. Favorite characters. Yeah. Favorite characters, guys. Mm. Out of all the great characters in this movie, Micah, who would you say was a big standout? Professor X passed. Oh, in the past. Mm. Oh, we all could have taken that. Dang it. I already talked about his, his growth, but I, I love how we... We get a full character arc with him in this movie. We see, oh, I can't do it. I, I, I just don't have the strength to do it. I know what I have to do, but I don't have the strength to do oh, it. Oh. A real movie. <laughs> but he's in he's in the Cerebro. He can't locate Mystique. He fries the whole machine. And he's like, I, I, I don't have the strength. And then Logan says, look, in, look past my past. Look, look past me. And mm. into... Like connect, I don't, I don't know how he understood it, but connect into Charles yeah. from the future. Yeah. And then that conversation is, can I just wind that into my favorite scene too? All right. Yeah, that's my favorite yeah, scene that. too. That's Cause fine. it goes right into it. I love their conversation. He says, we are, you, you have to have hope. And that, I think that's right. where the song is playing. Yes. Right? Xavier's theme. John Ottoman is back doing so the score. Good. Just a quick little insert there. It's excellent. Like what, yeah, score. what do you think excellent. of the score? Because I, I don't know the score a lot, but on my notes I wrote, this music is good. It is very it's, good. Do, do you guys agree? It's Tyler more Bates. score enthusiastic. I mean, no, yeah. Specifically, the uh, John Ottoman is John Ottoman. Tyler Bates is the next movie. Um, specifically, the score for the scene where uh, Charles is talking through his mind to Mystique at the end to not... The piano theme that plays there, oh, it's majestic. It is majestic. And obviously you have the great X-Men theme song in here. The music is great in this movie. Yeah. Great scene, great character. Ethan, you can do I, both. I love how oh, okay, they, they incorporate the X theme into the, the actual theme of the movie. Yeah. So it, it's like this some generic, okay, this is an awesome theme. And then all of a sudden, but like, yep. <laughs> whoa, they did that three times, I think is what I counted. Always catches me off guard. Yeah, it's it's really good stuff. Yeah, it's a great scene pick. And uh, I just want to elaborate on it a little more because if we'll play the clip. Humanity does this to us. Not if we show them a better path. You still believe? Just because someone stumbles, loses their way, it doesn't mean they're lost forever. Sometimes we all need a little help. I'm not the man I was. I open my mind, and it almost overwhelms me. You're afraid, and Cerebro knows it. All those voices. So much pain. It's not their pain you're afraid of. It's yours, Charles. And as frightening as it may be, that pain will make you stronger. If you allow yourself to feel it, embrace it. It will make you more powerful than you ever imagined. It's the greatest gift we have to bear their pain without breaking. He's talking to his past self and he's like, uh, I wrote the quote down. You have to bear their pain mm. without breaking. And we, we didn't even mention the, the famous quote. Uh, you know, just because someone stumbles and loses their way doesn't mean they're lost forever. 
I felt the, I saw a lot of Jesus parallels in here, especially when Professor X was like, we bear their weight, we bear their the pain, but we don't break. Mm. And that, that's very much what Jesus does. Jesus did. He, he bore our weight, right? So I love seeing that parallelism in there. And it's just such a great scene and a great moment. I actually rewatched the scene earlier. It's so powerful. Just not, not only that, but the two performances and old stoic professor uh Picard. What uh actor's name. Oh, oh. uh Ian McKellen. <laughs> oh, I wanted to say Leonard Nimoy. No. Catfish. <laughs> now we're all forgetting what his name is. Patrick Patrick, Patrick Stewart. Stewart. Patrick Stewart. <laughs> Leonard Nimoy. <laughs> Apologies. But Patrick, like Sir James Patrick. James McAvoy and Patrick Stewart, the two of them playing off each other. It's the only time in this movie, other than Logan, where you see a past character meet a future character, which I remember it happening more in my brain, but that is the only time, and it's executed perfectly. Yes, it is. We say executed a lot. <laughs> X. Anyway, I'll I'll do I'll do my favorite scene and my favorite character. I'll go Quicksilver, and the scene is that kitchen scene. Did I take him from right. you, Ben? No, I'm no, so no, sorry. no. Yeah. You didn't take mine. Oh, okay, okay. Last good. It's good. I know yours, but his, I love his his wit, his performance by Evan Peters. He's just so quick and the writing is so snappy with him i just like his character the portrayal and that scene is just great mm-hmm. it makes you think i want this i want this guy fighting with us this was another one of those uh comic book a lot of my comic book playtime moments outside with the with the neighborhood kids were oh, yeah. based on these x-men movies and i totally sometimes was the super speedy dude and i was not fast i was this short little fat kid you were in that moment though you were in that moment <laughs> i would pretend to put on my goggles and i'd do my slow-mo arms <laughs> Running around, I was like, "No, guys, you have to do slow mo because I'm running fast." Anyway, <laughs> that's really what these movies are going for. But I'm glad that scene appears in our favorite scene. But I'm glad you didn't take mine, and mine is the ending scene. I could, I, I almost wanted to go with the Eric, um, Charles fight argument on the plane, but I got to go with the ending. The realization as he wakes up, because for a second there, you almost like you see them disappear, and you're like. There's a moment of suspense there, and Logan wakes up, and you're like, oh, shoot, what happened? Is he? What happened to him? And he wakes up, and he walks through the school that we know with the people that we know as the characters. They got everyone back, mm-hmm. and he walks to, he just whispers everyone's names. Like, Rogue Star. Like, he just whispers their name. Like, he can't even believe it. And everything that they've been through culminates into that point. And I said it before, but when Charles looks and he's like, I'm going to have some trouble with that. And he goes, oh, welcome back. Oh, and he realizes he it right in yeah. that moment. He's like, oh, no, you, you went this through all This is the moment, that. yeah. This is the future you built for us. I mean, we, they, we all built it, but, like, you were the one who made it happen. And it's cool. That line is... Uh, he says, what's the last thing you remember? Mm-hmm. That line opens all three trailers. So they they just telegraph mm-hmm. the start of the movie with the end of the movie. I thought it was really cool. Sony? Question mark? Sony? <laughs> and yeah, I'll, I'll, build a team. Yeah, I'll, I'll take um, Wolverine as my favorite character in this movie because he's so great. His range that he reaches in this is awesome. I mean, that's a you. testament to this movie where it's the first X-Men movie where it isn't just hands down, mm-hmm. take Logan. This is the first one where it's like that, yeah. Where there are just so many great characters. Even first in first class, Wolverine was my favorite character. 
which we get a great reference to that yeah that scene is great too second f-bomb in the uh because they don't just reference it they use it yeah. as like a struggle and a conflict in the movie like brian singer was like yeah i'm not just gonna reference mm -hmm. it i'm gonna use right. this moment i remember you now we came to you for help and you said yeah what right. i'm about to say to you it's so good it's really that's good. why like that's that. why pg-13 to me is like the the perfect mix of every like rating because yeah people like are they like how far things go sometimes but to me pg-13 you have to find the perfect balance of violence language like you're allowed you're allowed one to two f-bombs in a pg-13 and i'm not there's one non-sexual okay well we don't i don't know we don't use f-words or anything so we we prefer that not to be in our media but i do like there is power in words and i like saving the one and using it when you need to use it because when, when you get life. right when you get to r-rated movies and they're saying it every three sentences or every six times in a sense it means nothing but in a pg-13 movie when you have mm. one to use mm. it really you remember and you're that's powerful yeah my, my dad started watching beef on netflix and he said it was just every other word was yeah and he had to turn it off that word loses weight it does that is a great explanation of how to use profanity well because you you can use it well i like that a lot man mm. all right gentlemen we can't find a lot of negatives and usually queen. when that happens <laughs> we have a movie that ends up pretty high on pretty our list good. yeah so without further ado let's go to scores micah you're oh, up i first. started with me you're up oh. first. <laughs> all right so this movie is great i love everything about the story and about the premise there are some parts that are a bit um, not as fleshed out as I'd like, but they're still very sufficient. There's elements of this movie that could be more. Uh, it doesn't touch every genre like a 10 out of 10 would, would touch for me. It doesn't touch the romance as much. That was a huge part of the X-Men trilogy uh, where his relationship with Jean Grey, we don't, and the Wolverine too, where we have that struggle. We and and uh, X Men Origins Wolverine, where we feel that drama with Logan and the tragedy if he never gets to find that love. That's a huge part of Logan's um, time, like his his story. But that's not what this movie's about, and it's not as iconic as something like an Iron Man or like an Avengers. Mm. But it executes so executes, executes so many great plot points, and that's why I'm going to give it a nine. Okay, wow, I like that a, a lot. Nine. I like that a lot. There's nothing super iconic about this movie. There's a lot of great scenes. That's super iconic, like nothing that people. I disagree. <laughs> I disagree. Okay, there are iconic things about the this quick, movie. The Quicksilver scene. But it's scene. not as. Oh, yeah, that's true. I got it. You that that is maybe the best instance of super speed but that we ever see. think about something like Iron Man. Just about every other every 20 minutes there's something iconic that we know about that movie. Uh the Avengers every 20 minutes is something iconic. It's the, yes. They do something like that and that's what elevates it to a a, a really rem, a, a memorable movie. This movie is just a very solid movie. And that's why it's very, a very, solid, very solid, very solid. I would jump right back into this movie with that extended cut. Yeah, I know. I the, just us talking about the road cut. I want to watch the road cut now. Just Maybe we should all get together. We should do that. Yeah, we should. it's in my cart right now. <laughs> all right. Perfect. Very good. I'm going to hit the, the buy now button. <laughs> no, just wait. Just wait. Yeah. <laughs> Ethan. Yeah, uh, this movie. Great. We've just talked about it the whole time and negatives other than the. Hugh Jackman 
Logan beyond that certain point is kind of useless to the story. He set, he spins the events in motion, but he doesn't contribute much after. But I also don't care because they fill the world with uh, Charles and Magneto and Mystique, these interesting characters to follow in the past where you care about them. It's kind of like Logan does what he needs to do, and then he like bows out. I like and Beast too. I like Beast in this movie. We didn't really talk about him enough. He he's pretty cool. But yeah, I like I like the dystopian future. I I always love time travel and how different genre or different movies use it. I really like the use of this. This isn't isn't my favorite way to do it, but they do it really well and they do it in a way where I don't want to sit around and just think about it. I just want to feel the story that they tell me with it. So yeah, the the script I think is really strong. Uh, Brian Singer directs directs it fantastically, and you can see the passion from it because you you saw it. What it really makes you wonder. How good would that original trilogy be if he got to close it out? How good would that be? Because mm. you see him, the first X-Men, there was, there was a lot of learning to do. They had to learn a lot. But then X2, they came back, that was super strong. And then this, as his third film, uh, X-Men film-wise, he did do Superman Returns, which is pretty not great, pretty fine. But it really makes you wonder, mm. what what could this be if he just had the free reign? And he does great in this movie. The characters, the story, the action set pieces are really great. I don't have a lot of negatives. So for that, and also the arc of Charles, I want to highlight that. because Go watch the scene. Oh. I think we'll throw it in this video at some point. But watch the scene, and it's great. I'm, I'm going 9 going 9.4 go 9.4 i love this movie to me this this is one of the best movies we've seen it's easily top three for me and i i just say i've already given out too many tens on this marathon i can't give out another 10 yet yeah i have to save that but i like a 9.4 so this this. would have been a 10 if you No, it it's not right that's the thing but it's very very good it's a really good movie because what are the tens avengers winter soldier does this touch those Almost, it might. almost, it's close. Right, X Men movie wise, hands down the best one we've 100%. seen. One hundred percent. Yeah. Go ahead, Ben. Nine point four nine. How do I follow it up? The th- here, the thing is, time travel can be used so well, and it can also be used for like, it can take you out of it instantly. This movie uses it so well, so interesting. From the moment you, the movie starts, you're in. And that's what was so captivating. I remember sitting there. I watched this yesterday. And I sat there from the start. I was literally, I, my mouth was open just watching yeah. that scene. I was like, oh my gosh, I am so in this movie. They send him back. They send the most interesting character that I have said from the start in this movie. They took that character. They brought him into the past. They gave him range finally to do in this movie next to some Michael Fassbender and... Um, Actor who plays James Charles. McAvoy. James McAvoy. Two veteran actors. And they they play off all three of each other so well. The plot is interesting. Almost like like I said, and we all have said, not a lot of negatives. So I'm also going to go nine for this movie as Ooh. well. Really, really solid. One of the best movies, again, that we've seen on this watch through. And I really hope that it's hit the top three. This is a rare occurrence of uh, Ethan rating higher than me and Ben. How hey, many times has it happened? I'm excited. To, oh, I'm excited I haven't counted, to bring that but today. yeah. Uh, so, Ethan, with your score of nine point four, Ben with your score of nine, and me with my score of nine, that gives us a nine point one three. 
Let me let me go through our top our top five. Number one, Captain America: Winter Soldier at a nine point eight. Number two, The Avengers at a nine point four. Number three. Wow. X-Men Days of Future Past. Wow. Solidifying X-Men in our top three. Wow. At a 9.1. Taking Spider-Man 2 out of our top three at an 8.9. Wow. Iron Man slipping to fifth place at an 8.8 and kicking X2 out of the top 10. Well, it, Amazing Spider-Man 2 is the last Cut off one head, 10. two more shall take its place. Dude, so I- it's cool that as we kick an X-Men movie out, one steps back in. I like that. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Hey. Oh, uh, another thing I do want to say before we round it out is this is the second highest grossing X-Men themed movie of all time. We have Deadpool and then we have X-Men Days of Future Past. Mm-hmm. Which, how much money did this make? $747 million. Wow. Compared to Deadpool with its 782. What did uh, First Class make? First <laughs> First Class made, no, not First Avenger, the other one. Oh, it's one below that. Uh, 370 is X-Men, or Captain America, the First Avenger, and then First Class is 355. Oh, yeah, this made like double that almost. Yeah. Big step up. Wow. X2, uh, one of our, uh, our second best X-Men movie, made $406 million. Interesting. Wow. Or maybe it was Wolverine. Is Wolverine our second best? Hmm. No, no, Wolverine wasn't our top ten. Forget I said anything, guys. <laughs> really, if you need a refresher, like this I is said a solid before, movie. Go watch this movie. It is really fantastic. It's in our top three, and that's the great. Like I didn't rate it a nine because I wanted it to be there. That's truly what I feel this movie deserves. No, no one would sit here and th- I wouldn't have thought that X Men. First or uh, X Men, not first class. I wouldn't have thought that this movie would make it this high up. No, when we started this marathon, but it's really cool that this far in it it does hit the top three because that's how I feel. It sh- it deserves to be there. This yep. is an Avenger level threat. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. And we're gonna see because next week we have Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, will this spot remain? Guardians of the the first Guardians is Iconic. well loved. Iconic, even. Ethan, you just saw this movie. I just did because I, Guardians three just came out, so I watched this movie before, and it holds up, boys. It's it's a great movie. I'm sure it revisiting it after Guardians three will be even mm. even more, especially the work they do with Rocket. I'm excited. I know I just watched this last week, but I might watch it two or three times this week. Now, I'm unfortunately, excited. guys. I have to watch Guardians 1 and 2 before Saturday, making this the first time I watch a movie outside of order Whoa. in our watch-through, because Rebecca hasn't seen either movie. She hasn't seen either. And she's like, I want to see Guardians 3. Wow. You haven't seen the other two. Yeah. Has she seen... She hasn't seen Holiday Special either. So she's I seen watch Endgame, it. Infinity War. She's seen She's those? seen a lot of other movies. I don't okay. know which ones. but Well, that's the thing. You don't have to worry about whether or not she's going to have a good time. That's the thing. Like Whenever I say, oh, what's a Marvel movie that anyone would like? Guardians. Guardians. That's the one that my dad on ramp to. So... Guardians of the Galaxy was the movie that caused my dad to watch all the other movies. He didn't watch the other ones, but once he saw Guardians, he saw Guardians 2. No, 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 he saw Guardians 1, he saw Infinity War, then he saw Guardians 2, and then he saw the rest of the movies. We're going to get to talk about it, but I think that that, apart from the Avengers and apart from Iron Man, might be the the single most important movie movie to the infinity saga oh definitely it's huge it changes things up so much yeah and it changes the tone of marvel i can't wait to to see if it still holds up and we're gonna see next week as we continue 
ever closer journeying to the end of the Marvel movie marathon. We're right in the mix of it, guys. 2014 has been a huge year. I think our lowest movie so far has been Amazing Spider-Man, and that was a 7.5. Amazing Spider-Man 2, yes. So, uh, two more movies in 2014. We've got Guardians, we've got Big Hero 6, two very well-loved movies. I don't... Yeah, so, without this, getting into Big Hero 6, yeah, that that's what's coming down the pipeline. This is going to go down as one of the greatest years in Marvel. <laughs> Probably. This might be the best. Right now we're at an average 8.8. I'm excited. That's huge. So stay tuned for that next week. Otherwise, this is Ben Rayside. This is Ethan Wenslow. This is Mike Ahead. Signing off, we all hope you have an absolutely fantastic day.